This is a Federal News Network podcast. Those lazy, hazy, crazy days of hot dogs and beer might be at hand, but there are far too many Americans living with food insecurity. So now it's time to kick off this year's Feds Feed Families Summer Food Drive, led by a team at the Agriculture Department. Here with details, the National Chairwoman of Feds Feed Families, Krista Speakman. Ms. Speakman, good to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And just remind us how this program all works, and I guess it kicks off June 1st, so what should feds expect? I am excited to be here to remind the federal family that Fed Feed Family is a volunteer food drive that encourages employees from all federal departments and agencies to give in-kind contributions, so food, services, and time, to food banks and food pantries of their choice. We really want them to be able to give in their community so they can see where it's having an impact. As you mentioned, this year's campaign starts June 1, and it will run through August 31st. We know that hunger is a need all year round, so Fed Food Family will put out periodic reminders. And the other tool that we have to help remind people of the need all year round is the Fed Feed Family Hub. We are so excited about the Hub, which is essentially the Fed Feed Family online resource. It's the one-stop shop for all the information you need to navigate Fed Feed Family and help fight food insecurity. As you may know, this hub actually launched last year, and our goal this year is to really amplify and highlight the hub. We've freshened it up, we've streamlined, and some of the things that I'd like to draw your attention to are the five ways to get involved. You can become a champion, you can learn all that we have, all the tools that are out there to get involved and share that information with your colleagues. You can find food pantries and food banks in your area. We have a link to a database that has nationwide information about food banks and food banks. All right. And let me ask you this. What are the food banks and those that directly serve the food insecure populations telling you about their needs this year, especially in light of the long pandemic we're just emerging from? You know, the needs are great. We often have this event and we really do extensive cheering during the summer months, but we know that the need is all year round. And I think that was definitely highlighted last year. They're continuing to encourage people to not only provide food donations, but also time. They really need extra hands actually in the food banks and in the food warehouses to help redistribute and repackage. And at the Hub, can people find food banks that they know they can trust in the same way that every year the combined federal campaign lists authorized and vetted charities? Fair to say? Yes. That is way to get involved. Number five is to consider donating to food banks and food pantries through the combined federal campaign. Because as Fed's Feed Family is wrapping up in August, that's just when the combined federal campaign is spinning up. So it's a really great way to make your contributions September through January. And you can also record those donations on the Fed's Feed Family Hub. So that's why we call it a twofer. Um, you're supporting CSC. You're also supporting FedSpeed Family. And I recall from last year that the campaign kind of set a tonnage goal for the federal government or a poundage goal for foods contributed. What's your goal and hope for this coming summer? Well, you know, we haven't set an official goal, but um, I will tell you that since the campaign started in 2009, so Feed Family Food Drive began in response to the 2009 United We Serve Act, which called on Americans to contribute to the nation's economic recovery by serving in their community. Since 2009, 
we've collected 99 million pounds of food donations. So clearly, I think we want to get to the triple digits this year. And quite frankly, in 2020 alone, we collected over 7 million pounds of donations. Yeah, so that's uh, real food, I guess you might say. By the way, we're speaking with Krista Speakman. She's the national chairwoman of the Feds Feed Families Summer Food Drive. And this is in addition to your day job at the Agriculture Department, correct? Yes, and- I work for the USDA, and specifically APHIS, Animal Plant Health Inspection Services, as part of my day job. All right, so you don't have anything to do with the cicadas going on right now. No, and in fact, I don't even hear them. I'm I'm in D.C. and I've I've, I've seen evidence, but I have not heard them. Yeah, well, come out to my neighborhood, and you, you need ear earmuffs to to drown out the noise. All right, and um, what made you interested in helping out in this particular campaign? You know, I feel that this is a need. Addressing the hunger insecurity is something that we all can have a hand at helping, and the federal family is united against hunger. And as people contribute food by methodology number five, and it gets recorded, how do you verify that it's really 27,000 pounds from this agency or, you know, not 26,000? You know, we really rely on, on our federal family for making sure that they, you know, do the best that we can. Yeah, that's all about net weight, I suppose. And do agencies tend to establish their own local chairs to make sure that people get the word out and get the get the hoof outs to uh, do this work? Yes. We have probably hundreds of chairs across the federal government. So there's lots of people that are leading, um, and there's lots of tools and resources out there um, to help get people involved. So we really can do all that we can to end hunger. All right. So people want to get involved. Once again, tell us where that hub is and what you can do at it. I really encourage all of our federal employees to visit our Fed Seed Family Hub. And we'll put a link to that hub when we post the interview online. And I also want to draw people's attention to how easy it is to record your donations on the Fed Seed Family Hub. And not only record your donations, but see how the federal family has donated and where they've donated across the country. And thank you for your support. All right. Krista Speakman is national chairwoman of the Feds Feed Family Summer Food Drive. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. We'll post this interview along with a link to that hub at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a B.S. from the University of South Carolina and an M.P.A. from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? 
You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example, that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented a terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions uh, on, those, on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina, uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a liberal school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream, which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there have been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it, it conjured up again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community uh, inspired by that tragedy, and now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America 
to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life? And what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most. And that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream, which we often define and think of his big, I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision, uh, despite the challenges, is seeing a forest despite the trees, is seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision uh, was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees and, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce. And I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Jane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular common everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself, 
to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are the hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care.